Welcome to the In The Points podcast, your number one source for all things Formula One. On this week's episode, Formula One is back. New regulations, new contenders, an absolutely epic duo and battle at the top. Tune into this week as we talk about the 2022 Bahrain Grand Prix, the new regulations, winners and losers, and what's to come at Jeddah this week. Can Red Bull come back from their double DNFs? Will Mercedes take on another podium? And will Ferrari stay consistent? Stay tuned and listen in for more. Sam, like lots to talk about this week. Obviously, opening weekend in Bahrain. I mean, F1 is back. F1 is back. We've waited a long time. It was cold doldrums of winter for us to get here. New era, new cars, new regulations, um, and new podium placeholders this past weekend. Ferrari on top, first time since I think 2019. Let's we got plenty to talk about here. So let's just dive right in. What what's your one sentence recap of this past weekend? Yeah, I mean you're spot on with everything you just said. My um my one sentence recap is Ferrari wins, so do F1 fans. Um so much hype and anticipation around this new season. Uh, a lot of talk in the offseason. I feel like there's a lot of new fans that have taken up F1 over the past few months. Um, and there's been a lot of unknown about the new cars, new regulations, how's that's going to translate onto the track. Um, so many muddy waters with the new rules. How are they going to enforce new rules? Um, and after all that, we had an unbelievable race. Um, you want to talk about an epic duel between Max and, uh, and Leclerc. Um, no rules controversy. Uh, fairly insane ending the way it all went down. Um, it was definitely a type of race where if it was your first time watching live, I think it's going to captivate you and you're going to be back watching Saudi Arabia this week. So you said something interesting in there. A lot of new fans. How about this for a statistic? 1.35 million U.S. viewers in 2022 Bahrain, highest on ESPN since 1995. I'm not so we're so- talking about a, almost a 30-year resurgence of the popularity of the sport back on ESPN. I'm not surprised. I mean, if you watched last season of Drive Survive, which I'm sure all those new fans did, um, I mean, what an insane season. Everyone's going to start watching. So it makes sense to me, and, and especially when you look at what the alternative is for racing fans in America. I mean, F1 is just far and away more entertaining than NASCAR is. So it, it does make sense to me. Um, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if it keeps climbing this year. Totally. And I couldn't agree more. I, th- I think when I walked away from that weekend, high drama, uh, reshuffling of the field. Uh, and on top of that too, a, it was more drama continued. You know, you had Max and Charles at the top of the field battling for first for multiple laps. Um, and it was just, it was a win for the fans. You know, that, that's definitely a takeaway. I think my headliner 
for this particular race is it's very similar to yours. And you called it early in the season about Ferrari, but this is my sentence. Ferrari returns to the top step. Red Bull runs out of gas with reliability issues and can't even finish two DNFs. Haas back in the points, challenging Mercedes and Lewis with his 109th podium. I mean, you couldn't ask for much more from a fan perspective from this race. You saw, you saw the return of K mag. You saw him in the points. Haas first time in the points in three years, probably quadrupling their points since they were they were last in the points. You've got Ferrari back on the top steps and first time since 2019. You've got a resurgence of Max versus Charles since the 2019 Austrian battle, which we knew how that one ended. And then you've got Lewis. He's still on the podium. Uh, I think the biggest shock of the weekend was was McLaren being basically backmarkers. I yeah. mean, just what an epic weekend. F1 won this past weekend. Um, I don't think it could have gone any better for them. So, I mean, I just – the only thing I can say is I just hope we get 23 of those races. If we get – I mean, even if we get half of those races as good as the one we got last weekend, uh, I, I think we're in for an unbelievable year. You know, and it's, and it's almost a shame, too, how, how good the race was because I think the drama for, for the, at the front – kind of took away from the drama in the midfield. I mean, there were some epic battles between Alpine, between Haas. Haas, it was challenging Mercedes. I mean, this was unbelievable. If I told you a year ago that Haas would be challenging Lewis, like Kevin Magnussen first would return to F1, and he'd be challenging Lewis Hamilton in the points, you would have you would have called me absolutely. And obviously that's great. Um, tough, tough outing for Mick Schumacher on that opening lap. I think he got nudged by Ocon. It's just heartbreaking again for the Haas team. I mean, they, he was what P11, I think. He was just outside the points. He raced a pretty good race as well. Yeah, and and he he actually, I wanted to call him one of the losers of the day only because of the way his last two laps went. I mean, he was I think P8 with two laps to go, and then a few people blew past him. Um, I think it was as as disappointing as I'm sure he was with the finish. I think it's encouraging. He was in that position after getting spun out um, early in the race. Um, it's just another encouraging sign by Haas that he even had a chance to be in the points at the end after that. So um, I think he actually raced a pretty good race, maybe just a few tweaks with strategy. Um, and there's a good chance we could see him in the points as early as this week. What a blessing in disguise this uh, potential world war has been for Haas. I mean, Getting that bum Mazepin out of the out of the out of the seat and bringing in a stud and K Mag, I mean, just a just a blessing in disguise. They're they're lucky that happened because now, I mean, is is there any question that Mazepin would have spun out or DNF after something? I mean, there there's no question he wouldn't oh. he wouldn't have been on the point. So you, you um, trying to you think yeah. Mazepin could drive these cars with the bigger wheels with the clunkier feel? I mean, give me a break. That guy would he he would have spun out in the first lap of the race. He probably would have crashed into somebody um, and blamed it on Gunther somehow. Yeah, you know, it it just it's. It, 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 I, I'm glad he's out of the sport. Good riddance. Good luck to you. From, Haas went from one of the most unlikable teams having Mazepin to how can you know? Everyone loves Haas now. We're, we're all, we're all Haas fans now. We're all rooting for him. Um, just overnight. It's just, what a great story. What a great story. Yeah. I mean, you said it best. I, I think I said it to you the other day, if you're not rooting for Haas, you don't have a heart. 
you know, yeah. after everything they've been through, all their trials and tribulations, it, this is what F1's all about. You, you, we want to see closeness in the field. We want to see fights at different places on the track. You know, like, as as much fun as it was to watch Max and Lewis battle last year, I think they pretty much lapped everyone else in the field. Like, after a while, you want to see it get a little bit tighter. You want to see it a little bit bunched up. You want to see... You don't want to see Haas P19, P20 every race. Nobody does. Nobody wants to see that. You want to be bunched up, tighter, more battles in the midfield. Obviously, we'll always have those battles. How can you not talk about Alfa Romeo? I mean, unbelievable. we had been talking about them being maybe in the bottom two or three cars uh, and then two point scores uh, with one of them being a rookie. I mean, you can't you can't say they're not a winner. I mean, they had a great weekend and, and hats off to, to Valtteri and the he gets a lot of crap um, and rightfully so maybe sometimes, but um, for him to finish the way he did, got to tip your cap to that. But one thing I want to bring up with him, what's up with his starts? I mean, it's just a consistent thing with him that he can't get off the line. And again, I mean, he almost threw himself out of the race after his first lap, just terrible start. Um, but I mean, he, he hung in there, good finish, great second half of the race. So he, it's interesting because I, I rewatched his start. Horrible start, but also very, very timid drive out of him. He he was he looked like he was driving a Mercedes, and it's just very clear he doesn't know how to drive in the midfield. I mean, he ended up saving his face. He ended up finishing P6, which was where he started the race, so no harm done and good points for Alfa Romeo. I'm sure they would have loved to take that if, had they known that going into the middle of the race. But, I mean, you just see him on that opening lap, turn one, Gasly is fighting, getting his elbows out. You've got Ocon getting his elbows out. Mick Schumacher getting his elbows out. And it just looked like Bottas was a little bit timid, thinking he could just blow past them with that Mercedes engine from years past. And it's just, he's going to have to get a little bit more aggressive on track if he's going to want to, if he's going to qualify in P6, he's going to have to stay there because he did get a little bit bailed out with three cars ahead of him DNFing. Um, likely you got to think that the Red Bull team is not going to let that happen, go every race. And so he's going to have to get his elbows out a little bit more and, and really fight. And what I'll say, he, he made some comment after the race, like uh, all the, the starts that they had done in testing and in practice were bad starts, but it's a common theme with them. This isn't like a new thing with his starts. He doesn't know how to get off the line. He's a great driver. He's very reliable, but he can't get off the line. So I, it'll be interesting to watch because he's not going to be able to get away with that the rest of the year in that car. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. His starts at the end of last year were pretty poor. I mean, we saw what happened in Mexico. He basically let Max right through the outside line going into Mexico. He He's just been bad getting off the line. I mean, I think we even saw it in Qatar last year. He was P3 or P4 on the grid. He slipped to P10, P11. Then he had that puncture, obviously. But, I mean, he's just been really, over the past, call it five, six races, he's gotten off the line slow, and then he's given up positions. And, you know, you could argue maybe he was checked out of Mercedes last year, and maybe that was why towards the end. But we saw it again this past weekend. And hopefully he can figure it out because, I mean, he's a good driver. He shows he can be quick. He obviously has a good, fast car that can keep up with the midfield. Um, this is something that he definitely needs to get on top of because the midfield, they're just ruthless in those first two laps. Um, reaction to how the Williams team fanned. I think we had Latifi towards the end of the pack, but Albon kind of raced pretty hard. Almost crashed with Carlos Sainz as a backmarker, which yeah. was yeah. everyone holding their breath. I think Albon raced a good race. Uh, I, I think that those Williams cars stink. 
Um, I don't think they're they're going to be competitive at all. Um, and Latifi showed that. Uh, but I thought Albon raced a good race. Uh, you know, salvage not finishing nineteenth and twentieth. Um, but I don't think that they're going to have much pace this year, and they're just ways away from being involved in the midfield battle. No, I, I yeah, and honestly, like, I'm looking at a graphic. There's you know, everyone's looking at the car performance relative to the Ferrari. Interesting. So there's four categories, slow turn, slow speeds, corners, medium, high speed corners, and then the straights. Mercedes outperformed in the slow speed corners. They are desperately behind in the straights and Red Bull outperformed the straights. They're desperately behind in the slow speed corners. So depending on these tracks, you might be getting a three-way battle with these teams where, you know, one's taking advantage of the straights, one's taking advantage of the slow The one thing I do want to talk about this week with you is the regulations, because you mentioned that you said the regulations, you know, there was a lot on the table this year. Um, obviously for those new to the sport, what does that mean? All the car designs changed all the different ways that the teams had to comply changed. The one thing that actually didn't change was the power units. They froze the power units. So teams could still use those. But as we saw the, the championship Mercedes, they struggled with the new fuel regulations, right? They, they had a great powertrain, but all the Mercedes cars, we just didn't have the pace um, clunkier cars. Like what's your take on how the regulations, you know, played out this past weekend? Yeah. So I, I think to the blind eye, um, they obviously worked really well. Great on track racing. It felt like, like throughout the whole entire race, all these cars were right next to each other for the most part. Um, and the racers seem to agree. I feel like all the uh, all the feedback that we heard, I've heard a quote from Magnuson talking about, how it wasn't necessarily easier to overtake, but it was a lot easier to stay close to the car in front of you, which I think that's a win for F1 and the fans watching. That makes for more exciting racing. Um, one interesting thing uh, that was new is, is the tires. I feel like uh, the only, besides the Red Bull issues and and the, um, the AlphaTauri issues, I felt like the only issue that teams were having with tires and I don't know whether that's the new tires, whether that had to do with the no tire warmers left uh, this year, but um, that was the one thing I think we should keep an eye on is how that translates moving forward. The new tires, bigger tires, um, but in general, I thought it looked great. I don't know how you could watch that first race and say anything, but F1 nailed the regulations. Totally. No, I mean, you you hit the nail on the head. The cave ad quote was something I was going to bring up. Uh, it was just very clear how much how easier it was for cars to follow. I mean, even if you just look at that battle for first, you saw Max with DRS down the street to turn one with an overtake and then Charles right back with the DRS into turn four with an overtake. It was just and it happened. I think we saw six total lead changes over the course of like two or three laps. And it's just cars can follow closer, um, but it also gives the car that gets overtaken another shot because they can, they're can they not in the dirty air. Yeah, did we uh, did we see a single battle like that last year, what we saw between Max and Flair in those three? You know, I don't think I we did. I was trying to go was, through it. The closest one that I think we got to was the Lewis Max one in Brazil, but even then there was a lot of like pushing off the tracks and it was just, it was just more inevitable. I, I would say taking away the Red Bull power unit this past weekend, you know, I was watching the Julian Palmer analysis. He was saying 
taking away that safety car and Max pitting on those fresh offs, he thought that there were, might've been one more battle even in the last lap. So that's how close these cars can actually follow each other, that the battles are kind of were saved for the last five laps. And now we're seeing the middle of the pack, you know, it's pretty, pretty impressive stuff. The one thing too, that you brought up interesting is the tires, right? Like we saw a three stopper this past weekend. Uh, we saw a couple things you, you noted one. Yeah. The, the, the blankets, the tire blankets, they've dropped the temperature. So the, the warm up is really, really important. I think it was, was it Lewis that put on the hards? I think the only team to put on the hards coming first out is out lap. Anybody <clears throat> could happen to anybody. It was the first one he put on the, I think he was the first pit, right? He would put on the hards came out, um, into turn one kind of had lost a little bit of a slide. Um, and you got to attribute that. That's not a Lewis Hamilton error. That's just the tire temperature. And that was the signal. Nobody went hard. It's the rest of the race. Yeah. It was, so these bigger tires I'm getting used to those tires. I do feel like it's one of those situations where we'll look back at it. And after about four races and it's not going to be an issue at all, teams will get used to it and, and, and figure out how to make sure those are, are warmed up or, or maybe don't push in the first lap or so, but, uh, that, that was, that was the biggest thing that I saw in, in this first race was the transition of these new tires and coming out with cold tires and those stops. Totally. No, I mean, and do you know what else too? Longer pit stops and the variance between pit stops was crazy. I mean, I think we saw the first pit from Mercedes was like in the threes and then Red Bull came in notoriously fast pit crew about 3.1 for max. And then Ferrari out of nowhere with a 2.4. I mean, the pit stops are absolutely all over the place in terms of timing. And you know what's clear, too? I looked at a graphic. Ferrari is absolutely solidified themselves as the fastest pit over the weekend. They have, I think, all sub threes, and they were all in the twos. It was – Ferrari just – they came out firing on all cylinders, and it was just very clear they were extremely well prepared. Interesting that even even with their fast times, Red Bull or Max specifically was still making up, making up time in those outlaps – um, cutting it close when Ferrari was coming out. So it's funny that you actually bring that up because I actually did a little deep dive into to some of the data. Max, when he did his in-lap and his out-lap compared to Charles's in-lap and his out-lap, made up almost two full seconds on that first one. I know you and I were watching it live and we said, hey, Charles has like a 3.44 second advantage, like no way the, the overcut works here. And you know, when we look at the data too, he's actually, he was lifting and coasting on some of those outlaps. I know he came on the radio later on, was complaining, probably wasn't going to make it with the pit stop cut, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's almost like the, whatever we thought in the past era in the turbo hybrid era, it's kind of thrown out the window in terms of what the timings people can do. For sure. You know what else too, that I was thinking about the driving styles kind of has to change in these new regulations before you overtake into turn one and you're kind of just breezing through into turn four. Not anymore. Like I think it was really interesting to hear Charles talk about he was breaking early intentionally into turn one to give himself DRS going into turn four. You got to wonder if there's any of these strategic plays where the dirty air is not an advantage for someone who just overtook. And now you kind of have to play a little bit of a long game. I don't know if you noticed that, but. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think we saw it um, firsthand in that in that battle between uh, Max and, and Charles. It was uh, it was that point in case you got to be a little more strategic about how you overtake, how you defend. Um, defending, I think you got a little bit of an opportunity after uh, after giving up a spot because, like you said, that dirty air is not going to be as much of an issue this year. So 
um, drivers will have that chance to re-overtake after, um, after being overtaken in the first place. A little risky too, you know, giving up a position. Hopefully you can retake the position. It's kind of a gamble, but I mean, it paid off for him. He just looked world-class and what a great weekend from him. I think, you know, when we think about winners and losers from the weekend, I think Charles has just kind of shown his maturity in that race. And it was really, really fun to watch. All right, Sam, uh, let's move on to our winners and losers section. Obviously, first race in the year, hard to tell. Like, teams, give me your winners and losers of the weekend. Yeah, we, we talked a little bit about Ferrari. That's, that's the obvious big winner of the weekend. They looked amazing. The car looked just as good um, as Red Bull, obviously a little better. I think you got to say Mercedes is a, is a big winner this weekend. Um, if, you to, if you were to ask them at the beginning of the week uh if they would take third and fourth i think they would have uh been through the moon about that the fact that they're still trying to unlock that that pace that we saw last year and the last you know eight years by still not having that and being able to be second in the points after week one how can you not say that they're they're a big winner yeah and then haas i mean from end of the pack to you know front of the of the midfield um, they're, they had a great week. Uh, I have my fingers crossed that they can keep it up. It's, they seem to think they can, and just based on testing and, and practice and qualifying, there's no reason to think that they wouldn't be able to keep it up, but you really just never know. So I got my fingers crossed that they can keep it up, but, but they're, a, they're obviously a huge winner this past weekend as well. And then in terms of losers, obviously Red Bull. I mean, can't, can't talk about losers without talk, bringing up them as the big loser. And then McLaren. Um, big I, time. Mean, I, I, I think the, the biggest disaster for McLaren is the fact that they got through the race and still were towards the bottom. I mean, if we were to tell you they'd be finishing towards the end uh, before the race started, we probably would have talked about maybe their car w- wouldn't make it. Some sort of issue. I know they had brake issues during testing. Um, they got through the race, didn't have any issues. Their car just wasn't fast. I mean, their car yeah. just stink. Um, you think you think Lando's sitting here uh, regretting that monster contract that he signed before the year, being stuck in the, in this car? I mean, just a disaster of a weekend for them. Uh, hopefully, they can figure out something, but find it hard to believe that they'd be able to unlock anything that would get them higher than you know back of the midfield uh, at best. But we'll see. You never know. And then my only other loser, um, Aston Martin, pig of a car. I mean, they just, what a pig. I mean, what a pig. It just, no, nothing was there. Um, I, mean, I mean, you can say that Vettel wasn't in the seat, but uh, I find it hard to believe that, that he's going to unlock anything that's going to get him better than back of the midfield. So those are my winners and losers. Yeah, honestly, you know, it's really hard to disagree with anything you said there, right? Like that, you covered a lot of it. It's funny because every winner you had, Ferrari, Haas, Alfa Romeo, all Ferrari engines, all the losers that you are other than Mercedes on the top step, but you know, Mercedes's pace wasn't there. It just wasn't there what we had. I mean, I think at the end with that safety car, it bunched up the field that showed them a little bit closer. Obviously Lewis, I think he started P five, you know, he finished P three. Great. You know, I think you keep those two Red Bulls in. he's still P five, no places lost, no places gained slow pace. But like, then you talk about Aston Martin, another Mercedes engine. You talk about the two Red Bulls with their Red Bull Honda powertrain. I mean, you know, it's a Red Bull Honda quote unquote. Um, and then you got AlphaTauri, right? So like, we're talking about the winners being all Ferrari engines. 
And we're talking about a lot of the losers in the back of the midfield, the Aston Martins. And honestly, Nico Hulkenberg coming in, never driving the car and out qualifying Lance Stroll. I mean, Lance Stroll to me was the biggest loser of the weekend. Yeah. You know, you could say like Lando, tough race. I mean, Ricardo, yeah, same. But like he didn't even try, have a chance to drive the cars. So really bad for McLaren. You really know that like Lando is definitely capable of driving a good car. Um, you know that Ricardo is capable of driving a good car. So it's tough to say that they're not losers in the sense that, you know, they had a tough weekend. But Lance Stroll coming in with a Mercedes engine, you know, they were kind of in the middle of the midfield last year. Nico Hulkenberg's never driven the car, and he's out qualifying Lance Stroll. It's, it's just, it's un- And one interesting thing, I don't think we've even seen the pace that Ferrari can unlock yet. I think that they held a little something back going into Bahrain. I think they were quick. I think they were clearly the fastest car out on the track. I don't think that they've shown their full hand yet. I don't know what you, yeah, what you think. Yeah, but- no, I, uh, I tend to agree with you, but to counter that, I think you could say the same thing about Red Bull. And, and I think maybe Mercedes isn't holding back, but they just haven't unlocked another, uh, another level too. So I think it'll be very interesting to see what these cars look like in five weeks. Um, I don't think it, I don't think we'll be looking at the same, uh, you know, breakdown of, of the grid, but um, it'll be interesting because you're right. I, I think all of these cars have something left that we haven't seen yet. So um, I guess TBD on, you know, who's going to be at the head of the pack come week five, week six. Yeah. Something interesting. I want to, to kind of talk to you about too, that I saw, I, I looked at the Leclerc Hamilton Verstappen fastest laps of each of their stints. Right. So they're all on soft tires, Max and Lewis, are almost virtually identical. And in the in the straight line speed, Ferrari are just blowing them away. But it's so tight. Like these lines that these guys are taking, the fastest laps are so, so tight. And we're talking about margins of a second here that is just, it's impressive because, you know, you watch the race and you think Mercedes, they don't have the pace. And then you look at the fastest lap that Lewis is putting out. It's not that far off from the laps that Max and, and, and Charles were putting out. And, you know, maybe you call that a little bit of a toe or DRS or things like that, but they all had the same advantages. And I, I think we're going to, we're in for a really good treat this year with a three-way battle for top. What's, you know, what's your preliminary take? You know, what are, what are the odds looking like? What is the, what is, what does Vegas think so far? Do they have anything out right now? What is, what's the, what's the buzz around who, Who's the front runner for Jetta? Yeah, so uh, the way Vegas is shaking things out right now, both Max and Charles are are the one-two favorites. With uh, Lewis being third, um, right around plus five hundred, with with Max and Charles both being around plus one twenty. I think the interesting bet this weekend is Carlos Sainz, and and here's why I say that: he had some very interesting comments after last week's race. He was himself. He was excited, obviously, but he was also very disappointed and very uh, disappointed is the perfect word for a, for a P2 finish. He, he said that he didn't have a great weekend. He felt like there was a lot more pace in his car that he didn't get out of uh, last weekend. So I think at him plus 700 is an interesting bet. I think and even you can get him, I think, plus 800 to win the driver still. Um, I think that's also an interesting bet with Ferrari being a strong car. Um I don't think that there is much difference between the way Ferrari feels about him and, and Charles. So I think that 
he's an interesting guy to look to look towards maybe the next few weeks. He's going to win at least one race, if not a few races this year. There's no question in my mind. Um, so I think he's one of those guys where you kind of sprinkle him at plus 700 every week until he wins because he's going to win. Um, I yeah. guarantee he wins a race at some point soon. Um, so I, I like him as kind of a long shot. Um, if, you know, if I had give my best bet, I'd bet Max this week. Um, I really mm-hmm. like at, at plus money. You're, you probably won't get him at plus money um, much, much more times this year. So uh, he's someone I look at uh, as a strong bet this week, assuming that they figure out their reliability issues, which we might not know about until the race starts. But um, he's familiar with the track. You know, he had, he had a good shot at winning last year in that insane race. Um, he led for a lot of the race. So he's obviously familiar. He had that, um, he had that unbelievable qualifying lap there that uh, went, uh, went like crap towards the end. But I think, I think he wins this week. That, that's kind of my, um, my prediction and, and best bet. So um, I would look towards him, but I'd also look towards Carlos Sainz if he wants some value at plus 700. Yeah, Carlos Sainz, he was so hard on himself at the end of last week. I mean, yeah, shocking. He, you know, let's take away, assuming that the, that Red Bull finishes the race, it was probably looking like a one, two, three, four, five finish with Charles, Max, Carlos, Checo, Lewis, right? Like, that was probably how it was shaken out. I mean, Carlos was, what, four seconds off the pace? It's, he wasn't like 12 seconds off. He, he was very, very hard on himself being that close to a teammate who won in that car. You know, maybe if, if Charles was, you know, first and Max was second and then Carlos was like 20 seconds behind the pair of them, you could argue, okay, I can see it. He was four seconds off the pace. I, like I he, personally think if he finishes P1 in qualifying, he wins the race. I think if those cars are, are reversed in, their, in the starting order, Sainz wins the race and Leclerc, Charles finishes second. I totally agree with you there. And here's my bold prediction. Uh, probably not that bold, but this is my prediction for Jetta. I think whoever gets pole wins the race. Yeah. Um, I think with the way these cars are running, and I think Jetta's a really tight circuit, I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of overtaking zones here. Um, I think where you're going to see overtaking is in the, the straights. I think whoever has the pace with DRS, if they can keep it close enough in the, in the, in the tight sectors, they're going to, I mean, there's a triple DRS. Whoever has that straight line speed is going to be the one that's overtaking. Um, but if you've got the pace, uh, it's just a really, with these cars, I don't see a whole lot of overtaking opportunities. I mean, look at turn one with the cars last year, everyone was going wide. I mean, and taking away even Max throwing in those insanely ridiculous lunges and full sends, like it's just going too wide is tough. Going three wide is impossible. I just don't think you're going to see a whole lot of overtake opportunities. Uh, I think guys in, at this stage of the race of the season two, they're going to play it a lot more conservatively than the second to last race of the year. You had guys battling for positions on the opening laps. I think you're just going to see a little bit more conservative play. My take is that whoever makes has pole will win the race. Um, and, I, and barring any pit stops, it'll come down to the pit stop strategies. Yeah. I, uh, I tend to agree with you. Um, I, the only thing that I would, I would differ from your opinion is I wouldn't be surprised if we see some carnage this weekend. Um, Interesting. I, I think we could see uh, some crashes with the bigger wheels on a tighter track. Um, I, I think we we should see some collisions, um, a lot of contact, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see a couple of red flags. Yeah, I mean, well, after last we saw, year, we could... saw a couple last year, so I, well, I think we saw two, maybe three. Yeah, with the bigger wheels, I just wouldn't be surprised if we see some more. 
yeah, I think it's going to be a it's going to be a tight tight track. I'm excited to see Jeddah. I think we had a as crazy of a race as it was last year. It was it was entertaining. I think we're due for another entertaining race. Um, let's just you know let's hope that all these cars can just stay reliable, right? Like I think that's the biggest thing. We want to see good battles. Seeing DNFs isn't it's not a lot of fun, no matter who you are, no matter what side you're the team you're racing rooting for. DNFs is kind of a cheap way to, to kind of end a race. No one likes that. Everyone likes to see the on-track battles. Um, but I mean, look out for Magnuson, look out for Haas, look out for Lando. There seems to think that this car is going to be just as good this weekend. So um, I'm very that's kind of the, the main thing I'm watching is to see if Haas can replicate what they did last weekend. And and I hope Mick can find his way in points at the end. I think a double points finish for them after last weekend, the momentum will just really get going and, um, and you'll see some great things from them. What does McLaren do this weekend? How can you not say anything other than they're going to finish in the very bottom of the pack? Maybe not 19th, 20th, but I don't see either, either driver finishing better than 14th, 15th. I really don't. I mean, yeah, that car was so slow. Um, I mean, you could have argued that Ricardo, you know, he didn't do much testing, you know, wasn't, wasn't there to really get comfortable with the car, but then Lander didn't do anything either. So I think if they're going to um, get back to, you know, the, the midfield or front of the midfield, it won't be till well into the season. Um, second half of the season. I don't think we're going to see any changes to their pace uh, after week one. So I, I look towards them being well towards the back of the pack. Yeah, I mean, Ricardo was pumping out pretty consistently one four four one four zeros, one four ones, pretty much the entire time. I mean, once he got on the fresh softs at the end, he was starting to sniff the one thirty eights. But I mean, Lando, he was even putting in one thirty eights on on the medium tires. Um, but like, I think it was Max and and Leclerc were just pumping in one thirty fives, one thirty sixes. So when you talk about pace, like these guys were just absolutely on another level than the McLaren, and you know that the McLaren team is capable of doing that. So um, interesting. I, I agree. I don't think in the in a week's time that you're going to see McLaren. I don't think they have the development capabilities to kind of fix this within a week. Um, I think if you wanted to, my prediction, I think you see Williams, McLaren, Aston Martin probably towards the back of the pack this week. I think Alpine. Haas, Alphatari battling for that midfield spot. And then I think you see um, Red Bull, Mercedes, and Ferrari coming out strong. And who did I forget? Um, just on oh, Alphatari. Yeah. And just on Alphatari, it was such a shame to see uh, Gasly have issues because th- those cars looked fast. And Yuki had a, had a great race in the points. Um, I, and and who's, I think Gasly would have probably – if, if his car lasted, he would have been, you know, top six-ish. So um, very interesting to see if those cars can last this week because that's another fast car that didn't really get a chance to, to shine this past weekend due to the reliability issues. So that's another car that I got my fingers crossed they can figure it out because um, that was a real bummer to see. Yeah, um, it's a shame because, you know, the Red Bull power units were – fast but you got to be able to finish the race you know can't finish the race doesn't matter the pace you unlock um i agree with you i think max is a pretty good bet this week i think he has a ton to prove i think tumbling out of the points i think he would have been happy to take p2 last week um i think him totally tumbling out of the points he's got a chip on his shoulder going in he's obviously the defending champion he's pointless podiumless after week one with a fast car i i would be shocked if you don't see him trying to send it this weekend and really 
take very points much, back. Very much agree there. I think he wins this weekend. Yeah, and then, then I think Charles probably P2, and then we'll see what Mercedes – I mean, it's so hard to count on Mercedes. You know that those guys are going to be shipping in different parts, and they're going to be, like, tinkering in practice. I, I, I think you see – I think it would be awesome to see a, a Max Charles Lewis podium this weekend. Um, well, I just – I want to see what happens if signs out qualifies uh, Leclerc and, and, and see what happens there if we see Ferrari, you know, let Charles go ahead of them, like, during the race – I'm going to be very interested to see how the team handles that. Um, so that's another thing I'm, I'm hoping for is we see a great qualifying out of, out of signs this weekend and, and kind of see how that shakes out. Um, so that, that's another interesting thing to look for. Yeah. I'm, I would, I would venture a guess to say at this stage of the, the season, Ferrari has got their eyes on the constructors. Um, but when you're eyeing the constructors and you've got two capable drivers in both seats, it's, kind of every man for himself and they want to prove to each other and that they're their number one guy. And so um, I think the last thing we would want to see is a little bit of a, a tussle between the two Ferrari drivers, because we want to see them both on track and competing. Not yet. And then I just, I hope that they're bunched together late in the season fighting for a driver championship, because you can just tell the way signs was talking after last weekend that he expects to win races. And I don't think he's prepared to play, you know, the Robin to Leclerc's Batman. I I just, I don't think it's going to happen. So I, I'm very excited to see those guys battle it out. They seem like they're good buddies off the track. Um, I don't think they're going to be good buddies on the track. If push comes to shove and, and they're fighting for a championship, but like you said, I mean, for them to win the constructors this year after, you know, so many years of being out of it, I think would be so cool um, so I'd hate to see them cost each other uh, a constructor. So that, that that's that's very, very much something I'm looking forward to as the season progresses. Yeah, and you know who we haven't talked about once in this entire episode is George Russell. Yeah, I mean, it, he he didn't really do anything. He he lucked out finishing fourth with, with two DNFs in front of him. I guess you could say the same thing about Lewis, but um, he was, I don't know. He was fine, but he didn't really like do anything. He wasn't glamorous or in your face show stopping. He kind of blended right in. And you know what? I think that's kind of what Mercedes needed out of him in this first race. Keep it on track, placing the points, limit the damage, whether it was two DNFs ahead of him or not. He was right there with his teammate, seven time world champion, Lewis Hamilton. That's hard to do. He was ahead of Bottas, which I know that that made Mercedes happy, but um, he's somebody who I think he are going to see a lot out of this year. I don't think he's going to be someone who's super comfortable, you know, taking team orders and letting Lewis um, through. I think you won't see any fights out of him, but I think you're going to see somebody who wants to, he's, I think he's got his eyes on, he wants to be the number one driver. I don't think he's going to, yeah, I think it's something to look for. I think he's got a lot of ambition. Um, now, I don't think that's going to be a, a Rosberg Hamilton type battle, but I think you're going to see a little bit of a chip on his shoulder coming into this year. We'll see. We'll see. He's definitely got the personality to not yield to anybody, but rookie year at Mercedes, um, it would be bold of him to not yield to him, but we'll see. All right, Sam, let's look ahead to Jenna this week. Can Red Bull overcome their reliability? Yeah, I, um, I think they can. And as long as they do, 
uh, I think they'll, they have as good of a car, if not a faster car than Ferrari. Um, I, I really think that their car was right there with them until the issues uh, at the end. So if I'm Ferrari, I mean, if I'm Red Bull, um, obviously gutted about what happened, but I'm not pressing the panic button quite yet because as long as they can figure out those reliability issues, whether it was the fuel pump or whatever it was, I think they'll have no issue, you know, winning races, not just being in the top two, but, but winning plenty of races. Um, Max will be right there in the end of the drivers. No question in my mind. Um, I think it's just a matter of whether Mercedes can unlock some more pace and they can get in that top three, or they're going to have a lonely race kind of in the upper, upper midfield. Um, and away from that, those two Ferrari and Red Bull cars. You saying that the Red Bull car you think has more pace? You sound a lot like Mattia Bonetta right there. I think uh, sounds I a really, lot like I really car. do. I really do. I think they they were just as fast. I, I really think that it will be interesting to see. I mean, obviously, you you cannot ever count out Mercedes. You know for a fact that they're developing their cars. Um, something interesting that I I read this past week. You know, I think it was one of the. I think it was Will Buxton had said. Um, you know, with with the Mercedes and Red Bull fight to the last race last year, so much of their teams were still developing the 2021 car where Ferrari might have had a few weeks advantage on development and making sure that their cars were ready for 2022. So perhaps Mercedes and Red Bull are a couple of weeks behind the Ferrari team and they're just caught out a little bit because they had to invest so much more of the resources on developing their 2021 car to kind of hold on to whatever hopes they had in the drivers. So I, I totally agree with you though. I think that right now, you know, I think helmet Marco had come out today. They think it was not the fuel pump, which um, that would have been devastating because the fuel pump is a spec part from the FIA. Um, the FIA had issued that the teams last weekend could have replaced it if they wanted to, but they think it's more of a vacuum issue with the fuel, the fuel's burning hotter. Um, and obviously it came right after a safety car. So maybe cooling temperatures were an issue. You know, it just, there's a lot of different things. I think, I think the reliability probably will. Was part of the limit too, for a few of those laps. So absolutely. I wouldn't doubt that that had something to do with it as well. Did, did Checo's car have the steering issues that Max was having or is his just kind of give up no both i think both cars um checo didn't nothing on the team radio suggested that he had any power steering issue he didn't ha seem to have any any brake duct cooling issues or anything like that but both engines it seemed like just they just shut out they were both in a straight and then you could actually hear it on both if you go on board with both cars checo's dash goes completely black he basically the engine just shut off it stalled out he lost power going into turn one couldn't steer, spun out. Um, Max, same thing. If you he gets overtaken by Carlos Sainz um, in that DRS zone, and then around the straights, you can hear his engine. He's like almost like trying to push it. And so um, both of those have to be related, probably likely due to the fuel. I think it's just another thing that Red Bull just they were caught out on. You know, race day, um, pushing it to the limit. You know, I, I think it's just something that hopefully they can get in line for Saudi Arabia. Cause you'd hate to see another double DNF out of that with Ferrari. I'm sticking with the team that I picked three months ago. Um, yep. I'm sticking with them. They look so good. They look so calm, so poised plan a from start to finish last weekend. I mean, assuming that the reliability is still there and they can unlock it, you know, another level of pace. 
I still love them to win the constructors. We'll see how that plays out, but I, I have a hard time picking against anyone other than Ferrari right now after seeing what I saw last weekend. In drivers. I think <laughs> that's so tough, but if gun to head, I'd pick Max. I think Max is going to win a lot of races. Um, I think you'll see a lot of Max and then the two Ferraris right behind him. So that's the way I would go right now. Um, but it's just so hard to tell, at, you know, one race through. But I would go Max drivers for our constructors right now. Well, that's a wrap for week one of the 2022 Formula One season at Bahrain. What a race we had. What a race we have upcoming at Jeddah, the street circuit of the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. We couldn't be more excited for how these new era cars are going to fan out on track. Will we see another Max Lewis battle? Will we see double red flags again this year? Only time will tell. Tune in Sunday, March 27th, 1 p.m. Eastern for Lights Out in Jeddah. From all of us here at the In The Points podcast, thanks so much for tuning in. Hit that like button and subscribe, and we will see you next week.